Welcome to Keep the Faith, a weekly podcast in which we discuss contemporary issues through the prism of Jewish law and tradition. My name is Rabbi Shammai Engelmeyer, and although this is our third podcast, we're still working out the kinks, so please bear with me. I hope what you hear today interests you and that you'll come back in the weeks to come. The headline for today's topic is COVID-19 Lessons That Must Be Learned. If you listened to my first podcast, you heard me say that God isn't responsible for the COVID-19 pandemic. Nature is because the world follows its own course, as the Talmud teaches us. God didn't send this plague down on our heads to punish anyone or to teach anyone a lesson. In the past, however, he taught us many lessons, but we humans have managed to ignore most of them from generation to generation, and the time is way overdue for us to learn them. Tragically, because of this pandemic, we have to learn these lessons the hard way. COVID-19 recognizes no social status. It's not class conscious. It cares not what religion a person follows or whether a person follows any religion. Race, gender, skin color, nationality, language, sexual preference, any other artificial way we have of separating ourselves from each other, these are non-issues for it. In that sense, COVID-19 is the great leveler. The first lesson to be learned, therefore, is the inherent equality of all humans, regardless of who they are or the job they do. The clerk behind the supermarket counter, or the drugstore, or the one restocking the shelves, or the one collecting the shopping carts from the parking lot, are all risking their lives every day so we can put food on our tables and medicine in our cabinets. The mailman is still delivering our mail. Gardeners are outside our homes doing spring cleanup. Repairmen are answering our calls. Farm workers are still picking fruits and vegetables or caring for the livestock. Restaurants are still cooking food for delivery, and delivery people are still bringing that food to our doors. Service station attendants are still pumping gas. Then there are our emergency personnel, police, fire, ambulance, ER physicians, nurses, and other staff. All of them are at the highest risk, but they're still on the job. May every one of these people and the others out there like them be blessed for what they're doing for us. Judaism, Islam, and Christianity consider themselves the children of Abraham. But that misses the point, and in a big way. This is made clear in debate between two Talmudic sages, Rabbi Akiva and the scholar Shimon Benazai. At issue was what is the greatest principle in the Torah. To Rabbi Akiva... It's Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, Love your fellow as yourself, a commandment found in the sacred texts of the other two. Luke put it this way for Christians, And as you would that men should do unto you, do you likewise also unto them. The Hadith teaches the faithful of Islam, No one of you is a believer, until he desires for his brother that which he desires for himself. A great sage, living about 2,000 years ago, summed it up a bit differently, however. What is hateful to you, said the sage Hillel, do not do to others. 
His way of putting it is shared by others as well. The sacred Hindu text, the Mahabharata, offers this version. This is the sum of duty. Do nothing to others that, if done to you, would cause you pain. And from the Udhanavarga, Buddhism teaches, hurt not others with that which pains yourself. So when Akiva says, love your fellow as yourself, is the greatest of the commandments, he seems to be on very sound footing. Benazai, though, disagreed. For him, there's an even greater principle. Genesis chapter 5, verse 1. Benazai's point seems strange, because this is what that verse says. Quote, this is the book of the generations of Adam, unquote. In other words, Genesis chapter 5, verse 1 is not a principle at all. It's nothing more than the opening verse in a long series of begats that detail the first ten generations that descended from the first couple, Eve and her husband. That, however, is Benazai's point. This is not just a list. It's a lesson we must learn. According to the Torah, as stated in Genesis 5.1, all humans are descended from the first couple. All of us are brothers and sisters to each other. All of us deserve the same respect and, yes, even love. Make up any kind of artificial division you want. It's still just artificial. We're all one family, and we all need to treat each other as such. Our sages of blessed memory understood that lesson very well. Thus, we read in the Babylonian Talmud, quote, A person should always strive to be on the best terms with all men, and even with the non-Jew in the street, in order that he may be beloved above by God, and well-liked below by other people, unquote. The Talmud also tells us that the first human, whom we meet in Genesis chapter 1, was created alone so that the families of all humans will not quarrel with each other regarding who had the more distinguished lineage. We all have the same lineage. We all have the same ancestor. The Talmud goes on. The first human was created last, just before the first Shabbat, when God ceased from his creative efforts. The reason humans came last, said our sages, was, quote, so that if someone becomes conceited, filled with self-importance, God can say to him, even the mosquito came before you in the acts of creation, unquote. By the way, you'll have noticed by now that I never refer to the first human by the name of Adam. Sorry, but there is no such person called Adam, at least not in Genesis 1 and 2. The word Adam, Adam in Hebrew, means human. It's not a name. Another important lesson we need to learn now that we should always have known and understood is the need to provide adequate health care to all people, including preventative measures, which, after all, benefits everyone in society. Seriously, if the person next to us has a cold, we're likely to catch that cold. Helping to prevent disease in others helps prevent that disease from finding us. That's exponentially true in COVID-19's case. To begin with, we're charged with the responsibility to emulate God's positive attributes. The Torah makes this clear in several places, including Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 5, quote, 
After the Lord your God you shall walk, and him shall you fear. His commandments you shall keep, and you shall hearken to his voice, and him you shall serve. Unquote. As one Talmudic sage explained this verse, Just as God clothes the naked, so too must we clothe the naked. Just as God visits the sick, so too must we visit the sick. Just as God consoles mourners, so too must we console mourners. It follows then that just as God is merciful, compassionate, and abounding in kindness, as the Torah declares, so must we be. Just as God supports all who stumble and makes all who are bent stand straight, in the words of the psalmist, so must we do. And just as God heals those who are ill, as we say in our daily prayers, so must we heal those who are ill. Emulating God is not an option. It's a requirement. That includes emulating his concern for the health and well-being of all people. That's not just an immediate need, it's a permanent one, made even more vital now because of the economic upheaval we've only begun to experience. This is a fact. Many more people in the months and years to come will lack the money needed for adequate health care. As our sages made clear, our obligation to those who lack sufficient resources, including when it comes to health care, is to adequately fill that need. If they can't afford adequate health care, it's our job to make sure they can still get adequate health care. Then there's the matter of taking advantage of a bad situation. Jewish law, according to the Talmud, forbids price gouging when someone is in need. The specific case discussed in the Talmud involves an escaped prisoner who desperately needs to get across a river. He offers a ferryman an excessive fee for his passage. Because this is an emergency situation for the escapee, halacha, Jewish law, forbids the ferryman from accepting anything but the normal fare for a river crossing. This led Rabbi Yosef Karo, who edited the Shulchan Aruch, the authoritative collection of Jewish law, to rule that if someone is ill and needs medication, definitely an emergency situation for that person, it's forbidden to charge that person more than the standard price for the medication. It follows the same holds true for protective gear, thermometers, food. Whatever someone needs must be sold at the standard price. So serious that our sages regard the commandment to care for the ill that Torah scholars were forbidden to live in a community that did not have at least one physician. Why would a community lack a physician? Because it didn't provide the resources for even one medical professional. In the Talmud's view, such a community is not the kind of community anyone should want to be a part of. This emphasis on emulating God by providing medical care also has ramifications for how physicians should be treated. Said the pre-Talmudic sage Ben Sira, Honor a physician even before you have need of him. Just how much the physician should be honored can be seen from a Talmudic prescription regarding Yom Kippur, a day on which the Torah commands us to fast. You would think, then, that God's law is immutable, unchangeable, tamper-proof. Not so, says the Talmud. If a person is told by his or her physician not to fast on Yom Kippur for health reasons, that person is 
prohibited from fasting. Prohibited from fasting. It's not an option. We listen to the physician, says the Talmud, because the physician is the recognized authority in health matters. God's laws are to live by, not to die because of. Where life is concerned, life overrides Torah law in all but three common sense instances. That brings us to yet another lesson. Whom to trust when health is the issue? We hear some politicians argue that it's so important to get the country's economy moving again that restrictions may soon be lifted. We hear physicians, on the other hand, say, not so fast. As the Talmud put it regarding Yom Kippur, the physicians rule, not the politicians. Sadly, not all politicians see it that way, including some state governors and, of course, the President of the United States. The New York Times, for example, reported recently that on the night of January 28, long before the White House got serious about controlling the pandemic, a senior medical advisor at the Department of Veterans Affairs warned colleagues in and out of government that, quote, this is going to be bad, unquote. His words, this is going to be bad. Among other suggestions he made, considering that university colleagues were among his non-government email recipients, was to, quote, close the colleges and universities, unquote. That was on January 28, and was merely echoing the severe warnings already coming from the U.S. intelligence community, whose dire warnings began almost from the beginning of January. From January 28 on, the Times reported, quote, an array of figures inside Trump's government from top White House advisors to experts deep in the cabinet departments and intelligence agencies, identified the threat, sounded alarms, and made clear the need for aggressive action, unquote. Yet, as we know, no aggressive action was taken for another six weeks. This isn't fake news, by the way. We have the word of none other than Dr. Anthony Fauci on that. We make a recommendation, he told the CNN interviewer the day after the Times article appeared. Often, the recommendation is taken, he said. Sometimes, it's not. But it is what it is. We are where we are right now, unquote. Where we are now is this. As of this podcast, around 25,000 people have died from COVID-19 in the United States, with more deaths coming at the rate of approximately 2,000 every day. It didn't need to happen. And Fauci himself admits that, quote, Obviously, you could logically say that if you had a process that was ongoing and you started mitigation earlier, you could have saved lives. Obviously, no one is going to deny that, unquote. He said that to CNN as well. And no one should deny the wisdom of the Talmud. Listen to the physicians. When they give the green light, and only when they give it, should life resume, albeit cautiously, right now, that might be the most important lesson to be learned. For now, unless we're essential to our communities, we need to stay indoors. When outside, we need to wear face masks and gloves, and we need to keep our distance from the next person. If you do go outside to go shopping, thank the people who are working in that store. Thank any first responder you come across. If someone delivers food or anything else to your door, leave a tip in an envelope outside with a giant 
thank you written on it. When we go to the polls on primary day or election day, we need to vote for candidates who will improve our health care system and greatly expand its reach, not diminish it. And we should use any free time we have right now to write to our legislators and executives at all levels of government and tell them it's long past time for them to get real about health care in America. And when this is over, we need to treat counterclerks and mail deliverers and garbage collectors and just about everyone else as if they're part of our family, because they are part of our family. Stay safe, and God willing, let's get back together next week. This is Rabbi Shammai Engelmeyer wishing you Shabbat Shalom.